Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the commentary for Antony and Cleopatra, Act 1, Independent Shakespeare. I am your director, Landon Bell, and I am joined by... Assistant Director, Sven Halverson. And unfortunately, we couldn't be joined by uh, co-dramaturge Colin Kelly. Um, He will not be able to be joining us for this play, but... Uh, I will be comment- commenting on uh, various input things that he had on the play, and uh, hopefully that will uh, suffice your commentating appetites um, as far as listenership goes. Yep. Act one. And off the bat here, we have Anna Rodriguez as Antony reprising her role from Julius Caesar, and uh, she's reading off the act one pre-roll uh was that music something you composed uh this was not this was uh zero project but i can't remember which track it is were they under the intro too oh the files oh the uh the one under the intro was uh in fact the theme I composed for Julius Caesar. Um, I was originally going to compose a new theme for this play um, that used the same melody from the Julius Caesar theme because they're um, they're sister plays um, and this one's the sequel. But I was talking to the voice actor who uh, voices Octavia Caesar in this play, uh, Finn M.K. And he uh he made a point about Octavius' character, which I'll get to later on in the commentary. Um, and it it reminded me, wait a minute, it's a sequel, but it's not different. It's not different enough to need a new theme. Um, so I went ahead and carried over the same theme, um, and I wrestled with it for a long time, but I went ahead and did it, and um, I think it works very well. my good lord from Rome? Grates me the sun. Nay, hear them, Antony. Fulvia perchance is angry, or who knows if the scarce bearded Caesar have not sent his power for me. Uh, before I forget everyone here in the scene, uh, we had at the very beginning, we had Phil Nays as Philo, um, Chris Pyle as Demetrius, and Rachel Rimke as Cleopatra. Oh, and uh, Mindy Raskinen as the attendant. <laughs> Can't forget Mindy. <laughs> Therefore, hear it, Antony. Where's Fulvia's process? And uh, when we were casting this play, oh. and uh, this this is actually the first one that uh, Swin has helped cast. Yep. Um, casting Cleopatra was at, at first it was looking to be pretty difficult uh, because we got some great auditions, but they just didn't mesh with um, our Antony very well, and. Um, <laughs> Lo and behold, and we get Rachel's audition, and it just fall. floors us both. <laughs> Here is my space. Yeah, she Kingdoms was pretty good. I'm not sure that we could have gotten anyone else better to do this role. I didn't actually realize that uh, who was playing Anthony when we were casting. But I did like uh, this person's Cleopatra. Excellent falsehood. Why did she marry Fulvia and not love her? I'll seem the fool I am not. Ah, uh, the echoey aside. 
but stirred mm -hmm. by Cleopatra. I don't typically do asides echoey like that. Um, but that line was very much like a a thought in her mind and not something she was speaking to the audience. Uh, so I went ahead and did the echoey, the echoey effect. Fie, wrangling queen, whom everything becomes to chide, to laugh, to weep, whose every passion fully strives to make itself. So Cleopatra wants Antony no messenger to hear the messages. And then in the next scene, she doesn't? Or was it a different scene? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this scene does a lot of uh, setting up backstory between these characters because there's been. A several month gap between uh, the end of Julius Caesar and this play. So Sir, sometimes when she is not Antony. I can't remember exactly how many months. I think it's about 15 months or something like that. Should go with Antony. I am full sorry that she approves the common liar who thus speaks of her at Rome. I probably got that way wrong. I did know this when uh, the play started production, and uh, I had to tell my actors, okay, you're supposed to be this many months older. Hmm. And I directed Lord this Alexis, scene. Sweet Alexis, most anything Alexis, and we have... Most, most Go ahead. No, so, so we have the, uh, the first Where appearance of uh, Paige Tulane as uh, Carmian in this scene. That I knew this husband would you mm -hmm. say must charge his horns with garlands. She's pretty good at the uh, soothsayer. Sidekick for Cleopatra. Is this the man? <laughs> I, I like I like the way you put that sidekick for Cleopatra. This music is Dreamland by Zero Project. Wine enough, Cleopatra's health I definitely can't think of a uh, better artist for both of the Roman plays than Zero Project. The Zero Project's mu uh, music just worked perfectly for everything that we needed. Yeah, I've been finding a lot of good stuff in there. And uh, here we also have Vincent Morrison as the soothsayer. Uh, we have... Uh, I'm looking at my cast list lest I forget. Amber Lee as Iris, and Andrew Hackley as Domitius Anabarbus. The sis there has put in some humming and stuff for when he's walking up and stuff. That was helpful. Definitely. And um, just to uh, to point out, the soothsayer is uh, the same soothsayer from uh, Julius Caesar. We just thought it would be kind of cool to carry that over, <laughs> even though he was in a different location of the world in the uh, first play. But isn't he on a boat later, or is that not a boat? Uh, it was a bike. So I, I guess he could have biked all the way from Washington, D.C., Rome um, to uh, Alexandria, wherever our version of Alexandria is. <laughs> so apparently he travels. Definitely. So does the messenger later on. <laughs> the messenger 
Um, of course, I'll talk about this at more length for Act 2, but my goodness, Melissa, Melissa Bartell's messenger is phenomenal, guys. She's phenomenal. <laughs> Truth is, everyone in this play is pretty phenomenal. Um, Andrew Hackley's Demicious Anabarbus is just... Wow. I heard that audition and... Uh, I, I, I did consider the other auditions, of course, um, because that's, that's the fair thing to do, but every time I listened to Andrew's, it just blew me away. I was like, this is the character. This is all of the character's nuances. But again, that's another character we'll get into uh, a little later, as there's more of him. <laughs> now, um, Iris appears quite a bit uh, throughout this play. Um, she doesn't have that big of a role in the earlier acts, but later on, as uh, events begin to unfold... Uh, she gets a more prominent role in the events. I've mostly been mixing the Roman scenes later on. But, uh, yes, I uh, <laughs> I actually pointed out pointed out in an email to Swen the other week that I finally realized that that uh, I was mostly directing the Egyptian stuff and he was directing the Roman stuff, <laughs> which wasn't really by design. But no, it just kind of fell that way. Which is actually good because uh, Swen is very good with like uh, the militaristic scenes where there's got to be like tension in the air that you can cut with a knife. Um, I've noticed that a lot in the scenes that he's directed for this play. And this is Moonlight Requiem by Zero Project in the background. With some haunting walls. <laughs> I I almost can't listen to Moonlight Requiem without thinking of um, Allender in... Um, or not Allender. Um, see, I always want to say Allender. Um... His conquering banner shook from Syria to the voice Libya, in uh, Tabby Rasa. <laughs> thou would say, "Oh my hmm. lord, speak um, to me home." Mince Sam Sullivan. There we go, Mince Sam Petra Sullivan. As she is called in Rome. I think I'm only up to the first season on that one. Finish the second one. Oh, good. I'm glad I didn't uh, spoil it further. <laughs> oh, then we bring forth weeds when our quick minds lie. I almost did, but I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna name the character name. Well, I wouldn't have remembered anyway, probably by the time. From Sician, ho, the news. Speak there. The man from Sician, is there such a... Oh, and we missed the messenger. Oh, there she is. Yeah, she's still here. She seemed reluctant to give bad news. Which, in later scenes, I see why. Yeah, Melissa gives the character a lot of nuance that most messengers don't have. And um, you really get a lot of it in Act 2 and in Act 3. Um, but here she appears for just a moment. and uh, Here we also have Dave Morgan as the clown. Um, and he won't appear again till Act 5, but he's a, he's a very um, meta kind of character. 
Um, kind of like if, if this was played on stage, I would imagine that this character would be played by Shakespeare himself. <laughs> Ten thousand harms more than the ills I know my idleness um, hatch. But how now? It'll at the end of the play, uh, spoilers. He he's there when um, so a bunch of different deaths are happening, and uh, Why, then, so I thought that would be appropriate for him to be the one who comes and announces and the death of Fulvia. He seems a bit dark. I must be gone. Definitely yes. In the original version, it was just a second messenger who only gets those lines, and um, I thought, you know, we can double up characters here. <laughs> and here we have more of uh, Andrews to Misha Cenobarbus. And uh, you can just tell the nuanced pain that this character seems to harbor. It seems to be cynical. She has such a sort of. Somewhat cynical, somewhat um, proud, and of course he's very loyal to Antony. Um, he wouldn't lie to her about anything. I remember um, when Andrew was doing lines for this play, he was like, you know, if you've got any notes, uh, it'd be really helpful. Uh, you know, I, 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 I can do what I do, but, you know, a little bit more direction would be awesome. And I was like, you know what? I, I don't know how much more direction I can give you. You're doing everything better than I'm telling you to do. <laughs> Yeah, he usually gives a few takes of each line that you can choose from with different feelings. Yeah, it's not often it's not often I have a voice actor who I'm like, you're doing it better than me. Just go on, go along. It shows to man the tailors of the earth, comforting therein that when old robes are worn out, there are members to make them new. Some actors aren't good at giving like, a different version of line, but he's pretty good at that. Absolutely, yes. This grief is crowned with consolation. Your old smock brings forth a new petticoat, and indeed the tears live in an onion that should water this sorrow. The business she hath broached in the state cannot endure my absence. And the business you have broached here cannot be without you. And another thing I like about his performance in uh, this act especially is... Um, he sounds like no he and Antony have known each other for a long time. And yeah. that, that really helps sell the character. Our slippery people, whose love is never linked to the deserved... I also have to give a shout-out to Anna's performance as Antony in this scene. She really lays on thick the fact that she is a leader. Um, and she stays very reserved about her feelings toward Fulvia. Much is breeding, which like the courser's hair hath yet but life and not a serpent's poison. Say our pleasure... To such whose place is under us requires our quick remove from hence. I shall do it.
Where is she? I did not see her since. See where she is. And we're back in Alexandria. I did not send you. If you find her sad, say I am dancing. If in mirth, she's vindictive. <laughs> Absolutely. Quick and return. Madam, methinks if you did love her dearly, you do not hold the method to enforce the like from her. And the telephone so do, is not in the episode, but each thing you would know that if you listened to it nothing. beforehand. <laughs> yes. The way to lose. Bad telephone, Can bad. Turn not so too far. <laughs> I wish um, we were in time we hate yeah, that we often fear. One of the major attributes of Cleopatra is that she's very sensual about everything. And um, my biggest fear when I was casting was that we would get somebody who would either be way over the top with it and make it something no one would want to listen to. Or they would underappreciate that aspect of the character and she would just be boring. Um, but Rachel does a very good job of giving a happy medium between the two. Uh, whenever she's talking about Antony... Like, you would think that she's known Antony for years. <laughs> and uh, whenever she's talking politics, she's very authoritative as the character. And the contrast between those two, I think, come out and make uh, make a very interesting performance overall. Riotous madness to be entangled with those mouth-made vows which break themselves in swearing. How now, lady... Nay, pray you, seek no color for your going, but bid farewell and go. When you sued staying, then was the time for words. No going then. Eternity was in our lips and eyes, bliss in our brows bent. None are parts so poor, but was a race of heaven. They are so still, or thou. The greatest soldier of the world are turned the greatest liar. Uh, this scene would also probably be a good place to note that um, gender plays a very big part in this play um, already. Um, but one of the biggest comments I got from everyone in emails was, Wait, you turned Antony into a woman. How's that going to affect everything? <laughs> And, um, truth is, the the biggest thing it affected was, um, all of the pre-production stuff with the script. But, uh, in the play, you don't, it doesn't come off as something like, oh my goodness, you changed a Shakespeare play. No, we just changed bits and pieces of the script. And, uh, it still works. There's been a few lines that are messed up accidentally, but... <laughs> And uh, we, we did actually, um, <clears throat> when Colin suggested changing uh, Antony to a woman in Julius Caesar, um, there weren't really any places where we would need to use Antony's first name, Mark. Uh, so we just used Antonia. But uh, in this play, there's a bunch of scenes where they use Mark Antony, Mark Antony. Um, so we came up with the name Mia Antony, and um, it fits with the iambic pentameter, and uh, I think it works very well. Oh, most false love, where be the sacred vials thou shouldst fill with sorrow for water? 
If I remember correctly, and I I would have to go back and check, but um, I believe Mia is a Italian name um, and a Spanish name. I'd have to double check that, but I think that's the other reason we went ahead and used Mia is because as I was going through names, um, I found, hey, wait, this is this fits the region. This is perfect. Cut my lace, Carmen, and come. But let it be. I am quickly ill and well. So we seem to have chemistry, though. My precious queen, yes. Forbear, and give true evidence to her love, which stands in honorable trial. So Fulvia told me. I prithee, turn aside and weep for her, then bid a You don't get a lot of it in this act, um, but for about the first three acts, these two characters are very, very lusty people. Let it look life and um, all the other characters are kind of no dancing more. around it. You can do better yet, but this is meatly. Now, by my sword and target, still she men. Also, Antony commits two affairs in the same play, so that should give you a pretty good idea of how lusty these characters are. <laughs> I'll leave you, lady. Courteous lord, one word. So. You and I must part. What's the second one? Um, Otto, Octavius' brother. Something it is I would. Oh, my oblivion is very Antony, and I am all forgotten. But that your royalty holds idleness, your subject, I should take you. Who I'm pretty sure he shows up for the first time in Act Two. I believe so. Yes. And then he shows up again in uh, Act 3, a little more prominently. Forgive me. Since my becomings kill me, when they do not eye well to you, your honor calls you hence. Therefore be deaf to my unpitied folly. I also just realized that um, I accidentally forgot to mention uh, Will Shipley was Alexis in uh, a scene, two scenes ago. <laughs> and uh, Dave Morgan also played Mardian. Which Dave is one of those, uh, one of the few people in this play who plays multiple characters. Yeah, giving uh, multiple roles to actors is uh, a very fun prospect. <laughs> because uh, you have to make sure it's someone who can do multiple voices. And... Um, mm -hmm. Dave is very good with the voices. You may see Lepidus, and henceforth know it is not. And we have Finn M.K. as Octavius Caesar, who is uh, he's new to this play. Um, we wound up having to recast the character from Julius Caesar, but no worry because uh, Finn does a remarkable job as. Our Octavius gave audience or vouchsafe to think she had partners. You shall find there a woman who is the abstract of all faults that all men follow. I must not think there are. And we have Aiden Rudd reprising his role as Lepidus from Julius Caesar. Spots of heaven more fiery by night's blackness. And uh, Aiden's Lepidus, Anna's Antony, and uh, Vincent's soothsayer comprise the three characters that. Uh, 
Let or the three actors who are reprising their characters from Julius Caesar. And um, Finn's Octavius is the fourth character the that's returning from that play. Or to reel the streets at noon and mm. stand the buffet with knaves that smell of sweat. Say this becomes her. Yeah, so composure must be rare and to me, Octavius is a really interesting relish. figure. Um, no way I was talking to Finn as he was uh, so recording his lines and... He was talking to me about how, in reading the script, Octavius, even though he's the villain of this play, is really the good guy in any other story. And um, I think it speaks to the uh, the priorities of all the other characters early on in this play. They, they have priorities in other places where they shouldn't be, and it creates political tension. And um, that's kind of how it is in politics in general. There's Someone will do this, someone will do this, and it will create tension, um, maybe among a political party or a political district, and... Um, it hath been taught to us from the primal state. There's a lot to there's a lot to glean from this character in this play, I think. Till ne'er worth love comes deared by being lacked. This common body, like to a vagabond flag upon the stream, goes to and back, lacking the varying tide to rot itself with motion. Caesar, I bring thee word. And the messenger Melissa's back serve them. Which they ear and wound with Man, can she travel kind. fast? Many Absolutely. This is a, uh, a few more of those lines that belong to um, the second messenger. Um, and I just decided, hey, it's a lot easier to combine this into one character. Especially in our modern world, which this, this is a modern day adaptation of the play. Um, in our modern world, it, it would be a lot easier for a messenger to hop on a plane and get somewhere real quick. <laughs> or just call somebody. Say. Absolutely, yeah. Send them a phone call, email, text, Snapchat. <laughs> I doubt the president Snapchats. He probably does, for all I know. <clears throat> and all this, it wounds thine honor that I but I'm not on Snapchat, so I have no idea. So like a soldier, that thy this kind of so feels like a weird cross between old and new. So. Let her shames quickly drive her to run. Yes. This time we twain did show ourselves at the field. To me, that's kind of how um, Shakespeare feels when you perform it in a modern setting. It's it's a perfect mix of old and new. Like no one would talk this way, but it works. I can be able to front this present time. Because the emotions and the the energy and the thoughts and feelings, those are those are universal. Those transcend a time period. Not, I think I'm getting better at understanding it. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things that I think when you're reading it, it's not always immediately understandable. But when you're listening to it or you're watching it be performed, it pops. It just pops and you understand it completely. <laughs> Call me in, madam. <laughs> Give me to drink Mandragora. Why, madam? That I might sleep out this great gap of time my aunt is away. 
Ah, uh, Rachel's Cleopatra is awesome. <laughs> Madam, I trust not so. Thou, eunuch Mardian. Pretty, pretty sure that um. Pretty sure that if uh, Jason R. Wallace was in this play, he would be a little jelly of uh, her attitude towards Antony. Thoughts may not fly forth of Egypt. Um. Not just because um, <clears throat> Cleopatra had a um, affair with Julius Caesar, but because Rachel and Jason are getting married. <laughs> so it's it's one of those ironic things that I realized um, a few weeks ago. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's kind of meta. <laughs> wait, was Jason the old Caesar? Yes. Jason played, uh, Jason played our Caesar. And... Um, <clears throat> in the backstory, uh, Cleopatra and Caesar had an affair. So, yeah. So apparently they're getting married. Definitely. Definitely. So yeah, point is, don't be jelly, Jason. It's just a play. It's just a play. So that was actually the first mention of uh, Pompey. And um, for, let me go on the record and just say that the character's name... In the original text is Pompey. Pompey. It's pronounced Pompey. Let me say that again. Pompey. Pompey, Pompey, Pompey. <laughs> and um, exactly zero of my voice actors pronounced it Pompey. So now this character is named Pompey. <laughs> That's how I thought it was pronounced. <laughs> Oh, isn't language fun when you're doing audio? I've always heard of this Pompeii, but this is not. Well, Pompeii is a place, but Pompey is a person. Oh. <laughs> so, I think that's probably what happened, is everyone has heard the name Pompeii referring to the place. And thought that the person must be pronounced the same way, but no. Nope. But I just thought I'd point that out. Now now every single one of uh, my actors are going to groan. I'm like, oh, we messed it up. No, you didn't mess it up. You just you modernized it, I guess. I need a little bit. Oh, heavenly mingle! Beest thou sad or merry? Thy violence of either becomes thee. So does no man. My nephews are coming in to call me to eat. I, madam. So I guess I only have time for one. Several messengers. Why do you send so thick? Don't worry. On that day when I forget to send the antony, shall die We weren't saying anything anyway. Did I? See, now she's mentioning Caesar. Apparently, Carmine has a little crush. Maybe just a little. 
sing but after you. My salad days when I was green in judgment, cold in blood to say as I said then. But, come. I loved scoring this scene. Get me ink and paper. I actually can't remember the name of the song without looking at my uh, song list, but... Or I'll unpeople Egypt. The song worked perfectly for um, Cleopatra's Lament. And we have reached the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a very, very insightful first episode of commentary. <laughs> I think we touched on just about everything. Uh, so thanks for joining us, and uh, we will be back next month for Act 2. Uh, where we'll have even more to talk about. Um, especially with that messenger, because uh, there's a very tense scene that uh, can't wait for us to get to. <laughs> yeah. I missed a few more scenes in the next one, too. So. Yes. I might have a little more to say. Swin directed more than one scene, yay! <laughs> he was going to direct more scenes in this play, but um, or this act, excuse me. But um, the holidays... Got in the well, way. And... <laughs> Bill Mays as well, it was harvest time Dave for Morgan as Mardian. Yeah. I had Morgan as the clown. Chris very, Marla very long weeks. And Mindy Rest as <laughs> but I got paid well, so that was good. Hey, that's Written a great way to do William it. William Shakespeare. Adapted for audio by Landon Bell and Colin Kelly. Directed by Landon uh, Bell. Shout out also to uh, Brian and Joe for doing our credits on our trailer. By Zero Project. Of zero -dash project mm -hmm. While I'm thinking of it before I forget it, <sighs> like I do sometimes. And Landon Bell of SoundCloud.com/slash Landon Bell, L-A-N-D-O-N-B-E-A-L-L. Produced by. And that'll be a wrap for us. When you got anything else to add? Uh, peace. <laughs> All right. Peace indeed. Uh, we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye.